Welcome to the Baseball Neighborhood, a Dodger Yard podcast about the other 29 Major League Baseball teams. I'm your host, Tavi, and today we're going to talk about the Washington Nationals. But first, a little history on professional baseball in the U.S. capital city. The original Washington Senators team was a charter member of the American League in 1901. By 1905, they were so bad, they attempted a name change to revitalize the team, going by the Nationals. It didn't help. Not only did people continue to refer to them as the Senators most of the time, they also had one of the worst records in the game. Now, there's a lot of fascinating history here, but since this version of the Senators eventually became the Minnesota Twins, I'm going to save it for that episode. Trust me, there is plenty to talk about here. D.C. was also home to the Homestead Grays, a Negro Leagues team who performed significantly better than their American League counterparts. During their time in organized play, the Grays won 11 league titles and three Negro League World Series. The team boasted such players as Cool Papa Bell, Bill Foster, Joshua Gibson, and Smokey Joe Williams, one of the greatest pitchers to ever play the game. Most baseball fans know that the current Nationals franchise actually started out as the Montreal Expos, one of the two MLB teams to call Canada home and the first team located outside of the United States. The Expos were created as a part of the 1969 Major League Baseball expansion, the same expansion that brought about the San Diego Padres, Kansas City Royals, and the short-lived Seattle Pilots who would later become the Brewers. There's two incidents worth mentioning when it comes to the Dodgers and the Expos. The first is the 1981 NLDS five-game face-off between the Expos and the Dodgers. Okay, so it's game five, the ninth inning. Normally a starter, the Expos send out their ace, Steve Rogers, to try and hold back the Dodgers' offense. It's tied 1-1 with two outs. No one on. Center fielder Rick Monday steps up to the plate. Rick works the count to three and one. When Rogers hangs a fastball over the plate, Rick absolutely blasts it into the stands to win the game. Montreal baseball fans still refer to that day as Blue Monday, both for the player, Rick Monday, who hit the ball, and because of a rain delay, the game was actually played on October 19th, which just happened to be a Monday. The Dodgers would face off against the Yankees and win the World Series. Rick Monday would eventually go on to be a radio announcer for the Dodgers radio network. The other incident involves the longest game in Expos history, a 22-inning pitcher's duel. Now, there's actually a ton of stats and records I could talk about from this night, but the one that sticks out to me is that this game had the very first mascot ejection in Major League Baseball history. Yuppie was, at that time, the big fuzzy orange mascot for the Expos. During the 11th inning, Yuppie took a nap on the Dodgers' dugout, complete with nightcap, gown, and pillow. Well, Dodgers manager and noted mascot grump Tommy Lasorda did not like that. Tommy got the third-base umpire, Bob Davidson, to eject Yuppie from the game. Yuppie got his money's worth, though. He threw the pillow and cap down like any good ejected person would. Side note, Yuppie wasn't actually thrown from the game. Um, he didn't have to spend the rest of the time in the clubhouse. He just had to, you know, stay away from the Dodgers dugout. Another side note, the character of Yuppie was designed by Bonnie Erickson, the same woman who designed the Philly Fanatic. And most of us know how Tommy felt about the Fanatic. Bonnie also created, or helped to create, some of the most iconic Jim Henson Muppets, including Miss Piggy, Statler and Waldorf, Animal, the Swedish Chef, and Fozzie Bear. 
No word on how Tommy felt about some of her other creations. Despite the success of Montreal pitching, the Expos just couldn't make it back to the postseason. Their most promising run came in 1994, when the Expos were on pace for a 106-win season and an absolute shoe-in for a postseason berth. Then came the player strike, and the season was forced to an abrupt end in August. Both the teams and the fans were hit hard by the blow, and honestly, the Expos never really recovered from it. Blue Monday would be the last postseason game that the Montreal Expos would ever play. In a desperate attempt to win back fans, ownership doubled payroll and sacrificed long-term growth for short-term stars. Even so, the rise of the Blue Jays in Toronto split the attention of Canadian baseball fans, and attendance at Montreal home games fell sharply. On top of that, the team failed to secure either TV broadcasting rights or English-language radio broadcasting rights, and we all know what happens when fans can't watch games. They stop being fans. The end of the Expos was a nasty affair. In 2001, MLB wanted to cut them completely as a team, along with the Minnesota Twins. A court ruling on behalf of the Metrodome, where the Twins had a lease to play, slowed down those plans, and efforts by the MLBPA put an end to the proposed contraction. It makes sense for the players' union to step in. Less teams mean less jobs, and wow, do minor leaguers deserve a union or what? Anyways, the deals made between Expo's majority owners Jeffrey Loria and Commissioner Bud Selig and a couple other baseball franchise owners, they were so shady. In fact, they were so shady that Expo's minority partners brought racketeering charges against them, but they lost in arbitration. Loria sold the team to Major League Baseball and then basically looted anything of value from the front office of the Expos and took it with him to Miami, as he was now the new majority owner of the Florida Marlins. Two years later, the Marlins won their second World Series title. Isn't it great that that's how the world works sometimes? Okay, now we're finally ready to talk about the actual current Nationals baseball team. So Major League Baseball relocated the team in 2005 to Washington, D.C. They were almost named the Washington Grays, after the Homestead Grays, but team management decided on the Nationals instead. Since their move to D.C., the Nationals have won four NL East Division titles and one World Series in 2019, in a run that included a win over the Dodgers in the NLDS. And it was a series that no Dodger fan will soon forget. The Nationals then went on to defeat the Houston Astros to win the World Series. 2021 opening day was the 500th time that the Dodgers and the Nationals slash Expos franchise have ever faced off, regular season and postseason combined. Of those games, the Dodgers have a winning record of 292 to 208. Well, 293 as of Saturday night. We'll wait and see how Sunday goes. Since becoming the Nationals, the two teams have faced off a total of 102 times as of Saturday's game, with a record of 63-39, and 39, again with the Dodgers on top. Before this season's home opener, the last time the Nats and the Dodgers faced off was in that painful NLGS game. But don't worry, we'll pour more lemon juice on that cut in just a moment. In fact, this sweeping history brings us to today's guest. Sydney is a romance novelist and baseball enthusiast living in the D.C. area. She writes for a variety of baseball websites, though she can primarily be found on the Resting Pitch Face podcast and with Baseball Perspectives. Her writing has also been featured in the BP Annual, the Hardball Times, and other baseball writing venues. Her debut novel, Unwritten Rules, is upcoming via Karina Press. This is a fun interview. I can't wait. Let's go. 
please welcome to the podcast Sydney Bergman, who is a Nationals fan. Uh, we both just finished watching this three-game series between the Dodgers and the Nationals. This last game was like tense. We saw some great stuff out of Max Scherzer that like, you know, I know he had a little bit of a down year last year. I think he's back, man. Like edge of my seat. And any day that you can put a pitcher like Scherzer against Kershaw is just a good baseball day. So anyway, so coming out of that, how does it feel to be a Nationals fan right now? Yeah, um, fine is what I'm going to say. Uh, so I, I have been doing a, a little a little podcast tour as part of like season previews for stuff. And everyone's like, you know, what are their hopes for the season? I'm like, fun baseball? Like, because I'm like, we're not winning anything. Like, we're not going to win the division. We're not going to win the wild card spot. I've made my peace with it. But another year of Max Scherzer, if this is Max Scherzer, mm, yes, I am feeling excellent about that. Um, so my sort of like feeling about the season and feeling about being a fan is just enjoy what I can out of every game. Um, knowing that like, we're going to get premium max, no matter what we do. Um, foo, foo, foo. Uh, sorry, <laughs> r ritualistic spitting noises. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but that like watching him and watching Juan Soto and watching a few of the other guys, is just going to be really fun. Um, so I'm feeling like the existential burden of winning the world series. And I'm sure as, as a Dodgers fan, you can relate is gone. Yeah. And now I'm just like, gee, I hope both teams have fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually you, it mentioned bringing up, uh, winning the world series. There's like a weird kind of bond, I think between like the Dodgers and the nationals, because, you know, we didn't get our parade. You guys didn't get your ring ceremony and, and you got your championship year cut short by COVID. Um, and honestly, like it kind of got overshadowed by the Astros announcement, um, which came like, was it that like December, November, December of that year? And, you know, that's gotta be weird. Like, what was that like for nationals fans knowing that you did beat them? Uh, which thank you for that <laughs> in retrospect. Well, thank you all actually a little bit. So, uh -huh. um, what happened was when the Nats got to the world series, Mm -hmm. Like when they were, when they, cause there was a long period between, cause they swapped the Cardinals in the NLCS and it was beautiful. Uh -huh. um, and then there was like almost a week before the world series started. Um, because the, I guess the, the Yankees Astros series went on for like six games. I want to say mm -hmm. um, during that intervening week. So one, all the old men on the nationals got their rest. So like that was helpful. <laughs> um, but two, Brian Dozier, called a like a bunch of Dodgers called Brian Dozier who had been a Dodger mm -hmm. and was like you know that they're cheating right about yeah. the Astros and so like it was because a bunch of folks reached out um they also god they called one of the the guys who and his name is going to escape me and I'm going to be really mad about this um who was a Nationals bullpen guy up until the the, the all-star break who had been an Astro and I will pull up his name mm -hmm. um and they were, they were like, so what's the deal with the Astros? And he's like, the Astros are cheating. <laughs> um, so like everyone in baseball was just like on the national side about this. So the Dodgers did actually <laughs> um, help, help the Nats a little bit. Um, it, it sucks to, I mean, I was at the parade. The parade was awesome. The parade was fun. Mm -hmm. Brian Dozier took off his shirt. 
He lifted Adibal <laughs> Sanchez up bodily. Um, I danced in the street with 400,000 people. Um, and then after that, all this stuff with Houston hit. Um, and that that did sort of that and the, the White House visit. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say that de- that didn't really derail, but that obviously preoccupied. And then all the stuff with Houston derailed mm-hmm. a lot of it. Um, I remember my last sort of I, what I felt like my last like normal-ish baseball memory was being in a, a hotel room because uh, I travel a lot for work in like j- late January. And I think it was a day where like one of the investigations dropped um, and it was like everyone was doing finger pointing and like that Mean Girls video explaining oh what was going God, on. Oh my God, that like, was that so came brilliant. Out. Oh my um, gosh. And I just remembered having just like the most like wonderful slightly absurdist baseball day and then the pandemic hit um but yeah and then for you all hopefully they'll I mean doing a parade maybe at the all-star break yeah yeah well I mean that's the other thing we lost our all-star game yeah especially I mean gosh I feel like I talk about this every every pod but it you know it still happens you know Dodger Stadium is like brand new it's been renovated it's fantastic fans finally got in to see it this weekend and it's just nothing but singing praises I can't wait I'm waiting till I get my second shot because I'm a little bit more vulnerable than some people but I cannot wait to be out there but yeah especially because the Lakers won as well like we had a Dodgers Lakers victory and especially because we lost Kobe or uh, Kobe earlier in the in that year in in 2020 along with his daughter and 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 several of his friends like you know it it meant more like kind of um not no kind of it did it meant more um absolutely uh so yeah that you know the joint dodgers laker parade as soon as it's safe you know luckily here in los angeles they they pretty much opened it up almost completely to anyone getting a shot which is just fantastic you know i got my shot at dodger stadium i cried i didn't think i was gonna cry i did but like that parade i think in a weird way, like the lack of that parade just kind of made the boys like double down and settle in. That and like losing to the Rockies on opening day, I think probably uh, kicked them kicked in the ass a little. And well, they, uh, they, they kind of steamrolled us. But yeah, that's okay. but I mean, it what it was like this last game. I didn't know. Like, I honestly thought we might drop this game. And, you know, I will, I will die for Kershaw. But that doesn't, you know, he's not the Kershaw he used to be. And then, you know, Kenley's not the pitcher he used to be. He came out and what was it, six pitches or seven? I I literally missed it because I was like, oh, I'm in a pee before, you know, this last ending. And it was like over by the time I got out. It was great. Um, but yeah, I think I think you can see that there's a fire in a lot of them to win. Um, I think the one, and I mean like the one good thing, and this is even very slightly giving him more credit than I think is like the one thing that Trevor Bauer wants is a ring. And I think he's going to try and work for that. I still wish he wasn't on the team um, for many reasons, but uh, I think to a man, every single person wants it. And I don't know if his attitude's going to be the, t- in fact, I know his attitude's not going to be the tipping point, but you know, they all want it back. They want the parade. They want to win it in front of fans. They want to win it in Dodger stadium, you know? And after 162, yeah. like, yeah. and you know, it's, it's one of those things where, and a world series is a world series. So I, I do not wish I to God, diminish If they that. asterisk this Dodgers uh, yeah. world series and not, and not the not Houston the Astros. 
I, I mean, if they have a parade, start, there'll be a riot. Yeah, if they starting in LA, going towards Houston. Um, but yeah, so I think I mean the the doing it after 162, and you know I think for the Dodgers, all the pieces are there. Like, well, Mookie. I mean, Mookie. I don't think. I mean, everyone knows that. Like, he was that impetus. You know, he's he's that kind of that thing well talking about this we talked about the Dodgers enough we're going to learn about other teams now uh what do you think was that spark for your 2019 season because you guys started off kind of in the crapper and then it just came back like was it Soto was it like what was it what do you think yeah so the 19 and 31 start uh which they're going to conspire to do that every year apparently and I'm like (laughs) no friends we're taking the wrong lessons the the wrong anyway uh because they did it last year too and everyone's like for fuck's sake guys um so they they had a bunch of injuries early in that season mm-hmm. and the nationals have a bad farm system like 30 30 out of 30 it's bad a lot of it is they've depleted it over the years via ver- various trades because they you know they were really going for it a lot of it as i think frankly not being able to develop um pitchers or catchers very well um so they can develop an outfielder okay um they could maybe develop an infielder if they really tried today but they cannot seem to develop particularly catchers at all um or a lot of a lot of starting pitching is the other thing um but there so like there's no depth like there's there's so many dodgers and there's just like not as many nationals as sort of my feeling. Yeah. Um, and so a bunch of guys got hurt. Trey got hurt. He broke his finger. Um, and I, he was actually, his finger was broken the whole season. So mm-hmm. he was holding the bat with a broken finger in the World Series. Um, it healed wrong and it changed his grip. It actually may have made him hit better because um, he couldn't put pressure on like a particular part of his finger. Yeah. Um, so he got hurt. Howie Kendrick was coming off of a hammy injury or no, uh, a, not a hammy, an Achilles injury and I saw him do it it was really bad oh yeah um, no I saw he, I saw Corey Seager do his hammy and I was just like it no that's mm, horrible ooh, ooh, ooh. um yeah. so he then re-injured himself minorly um Soto went through for Juan Soto a mini slump for everybody else not <laughs> a like, regular a, season <laughs> a regular season um so he was like a little bit down um I feel like Rendon was hurt temporarily and like there was just it was a bunch of injuries with no depth mm-hmm. and so what you know they can say what attributed it was like they got her Arter Para sorry I know he's not y'all's favorite um and he came in and was like y'all why are you so tense which to be fair um so I heard Sean Doolittle and Aaron Dolan on a podcast and they were like talking about really there was a culture shift of like, you all are good. Stop acting like you're bad. Suck it mm-hmm. up. Um, and that para was sort of like very cheerfully, like suck it up and like, let's, let's do this. Right. Um, but it was really the recovery from injury. And then I'm um, hitting four home runs in a row off the Padres. <laughs> that to <laughs> me was like the exorcism <laughs> moment. That was just, that was when everything clicked. Um, and like, they had some ups and downs after that, but like that to me was like the, we're going to be all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm never going to say anything bad about someone who hits off uh, Padres right now. So. Yeah. And it was off of our old friend, our old friend, Craig Stanton. Oh, Stanton, okay. yeah. Who uh-huh. uh, was an, in the Nationals bullpen. 
mm-hmm. um, sort of during the, the the more vaunted days of the Nationals bullpen when, when believe it or not, such a thing existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and Stammen's still on the Padres. Uh, but yeah, it was four off of Stammen, back to back to back to back. And that that for me was like the moment of like, all right, okay. we got we got something cooking. Yeah. And then later in the season with the the comeback against the Mets in the bottom of the ninth when it was like seven runs in the bottom of the ninth yeah um and Suzuki got got a walk off a homer I'm like yeah that's we're gonna be all right (laughs) there's there's definitely something so energizing about a walk off and um I think yeah I think I think it's we can talk about the 2019 uh Dodgers Nationals game now. Um, but I think part of what like was so frustrating for me as a Dodgers fan to see that happen was you saw, you saw the Dodgers give up. Um, and like you saw it in Kershaw, there's like Max Muncy's blinking. I'm not going to cry face. Like that was, I think the most heartbreaking for Dodgers fans because we had had so many walk-off wins. You know, there was rookie walk-off weekend where we walked off every single game against the Rockies. Like, and I was there for that one of them. Like I was there for the Smith walk-off and it's electric, like it's electrifying. So like the grand, like the grand slam, especially, you know, (laughs) from an old friend. (laughs) And And against Joe Kelly. (laughs) Yeah. And like, and you know, like it just, it, it, it like watching them give up when they are absolutely more than capable of coming back was really hard. Um, and again, this is another thing I say on the podcast a lot, the Dodgers live and die as a team and they died as a team that day. Um, and yeah, it's, it was very frustrating, but it was also really amazing to just see this like team of destiny in the nationals come back and get it and like and just go and you know if anything lessens the sting of losing a game it's the person that or the team that you lost to wins it all you know like well at least you know at least we didn't lose to second play you know that sort of thing so that's that's really exciting to see um I, rem- yes. I remember during that game yeah. thinking that exact thing because like the Nat at that point like the Nats had co- had basically like come back from the dead so many times where I was like you're only down by four you'll be fine like get it together guys yeah um but you could you could see that and I remember having the same feeling at World Series game seven so Mm. you know how he how he hits the um the home run off of the the fair pole um Mm -hmm. you know puts him on top Mm -hmm. they're screaming they're yelling and then you know it goes to be uh six two and you could just, I think Altuve was, in, was hitting the bottom of the ninth and he went down on like three pitches. Like he wasn't, it was not, not having it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are they just giving up? They're only down by four. Like, yeah. but you could just see just the, well, the they weren't reading your signs anymore too. That probably, oh. They also did actually, because of all of the, the Dodgers Intel and the mm-hmm. um, other Intel, they were absolutely encoding signs, yeah. which was yeah. something um, that made it obviously in, the many things that weird weird things that happened that season winning only at in houston and then losing at Nats park um but like houston didn't have their like banging noises yeah yeah not that there's a a lot of evidence that they were doing it in 2019 nope i'm sure they stopped cheating once they figured once they won the world series with something you just stop doing it right yeah yeah once it works you don't go with what works right when tatis got his contract um, the parallels between Tatis and Soto couldn't help but like come to the top, you know, like that's, 
uh, same age, same a year, potentially going to free agency. Do you see the Nationals paying to keep Soto around, especially since, you know, Bryce Harper went and Brandon went and a lot of other big name players kind of went away. Is Soto your guy for the next decade? You know, I was thinking about this today with, um, you know, we were talking about pitching to Soto a little bit differently because Rendon isn't on the team. Yeah. Right. Signing Rendon, I feel like would have been the tipping point between we're doing a dynasty versus we're going to do a mini, mini rebuild. And they mm-hmm. obviously, they were like, we can't afford both. I'm like, you're billionaires and liars. So you can, <laughs> um, but that's okay. But they, they picked Strasburg because Strasburg also wanted to stay. Rendon had some personal issues with how the Nats handled some stuff. Um, as well and he also just he didn't want to be a star and he decided to go to the angels who were like hey we have mike trout you could stand like slightly behind mike trout and he's like that sounds fantastic (laughs) 10 years of this and i get to live in anaheim great um but i think you know we'll we'll see with soto it feels different because it's like look they they don't have a a sort of an or in there Mm -hmm. i think you know Turner is actually going to, he's not going to command Tatis money. He's not going to command Juan Soto money. He's not going to command Francisco Lindor money, but he's going to command a good amount of yeah. money. Is he, um, is and, he up after this year? Uh, yep. Oh, he's, yeah, he's part of that Corey Seager. Uh, lots of, lots of shortstops are coming into free agencies who are great. So he's part of that. Uh, do you see yeah. him extending him? as well or uh, you know I'm, I'm hoping um he has gone from being like I want to be that guy to maybe mm-hmm. like I don't want to be that guy so we'll see mm-hmm. um again I think it'll it'll depend on a lot of things my hope is they extend one or both of them mm-hmm. um it, it, that will be the decision between really having sort of perpetual contention for the next 10 years and just not yeah. um because like Scherzer's gone at the end of the year. Um, they might bring him back for like a, a one-year sort of like, mm-hmm. like a, a, a one-year a, deal. Yeah, like a one-year like farewell tour. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how he pitches this year, obviously. Uh, but like they did that with Ryan Zimmerman of they renegotiated to like a one-year farewell tour for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they don't do any of that. And they let a generational talent walk again. It's it's going to be difficult. But I think that you know, Juan Soto is probably also thinking like four to five hundred million dollars. And Juan Soto should get everything he wants because he is a truly generational talent. I do I do wonder if the fact that there are like four or five big free agent shortstops. I wonder if that works in their favor or if it works against them because everybody, especially here on the Dodgers, everyone's like, extend Seager, extend Seager, extend Seager. But, you know, part of the Dodgers strengths is depth. You know, we let Kike Hernandez and Jack Peterson walk away in free agency and like, except for emotionally and in the gifts, we don't really mess, you know, like, like the, 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 it was, we were able to keep on churning. It seems like it's a very different situation with the nationals. You're talking about like, you don't have this prospects who can come, you don't, you don't have a Zach McKinstry who's coming up. You don't have a Lux that's, you know, finally stepping into his own. It, does that make it, do you think, what am I getting at? Like, do you think that makes it more, more likely to re-sign Juan or to, find one of those other caliber and kind of swap out 
I have no idea is the yeah. short answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't spend the learner's money. I <laughs> really, really, really hope that they are sitting down with Juan Soto's people and they're like, look, we yeah. want to do for you what somebody, what the Padres just did for Tatis, what, you know, the Mets did for Lindor. We want to, we want to come with a big truck full of money mm-hmm. and not all deferred because yeah. um, they are famous for that um, and just really get serious about it. And like, we will surround you with whatever you want in order mm-hmm. to be in contention. Like we're yeah. not going to do a Rocky situation where we have a generational player and we surround them with Daniel Murphy. Just looking at like yesterday's game, Saturday's game, when, you know, they like literally everyone in the stadium thought the game was over, including the PA people. Like they had started up the Randy Newman and they like quickly pulled it. And, you know, Juan Soto fouls a, a ball off his foot and he's in pain. Like he is hurting. You can tell he walks around and then hits the two-run homer. Like, literally after everyone else had given up on the game, he does that. Um, it's not quite enough to come back, but it's still, like, how clutch is clutch? Like, Yeah, I mean, he he personally doesn't have a lot of quit in him. He yeah. obviously, you know, I keep, I, sort of my perpetual joke about Juan Soto is that he, I think, is going to just knock on, like, Davy Martinez's door one day, and it's like, all right, I'm ready for the big leagues. When do I go up with, like, work, the people like who will be competition with me because he is that good like he is that incredibly good all the time um and everyone's like oh you know he has like this like knowledge of the strike zone and you're like yeah he the the really funny picture of him sign-eyeing Will Smith and Will Smith (laughs) framed a strike and then Juan was like f you I'm hitting a home run (laughs) all right (laughs) you have to understand though like Austin Barnes is our framer and like Smith is our call, like, like both of them call good games, but like Smitty's the homework guy. Austin Barnes is like, I call him my favorite murderer. Like he just intimidates the ball into the strike zone. But like, it was so delightful to see Will Smith, like actually frame a pitch. And then Juan Soto, like calling him out on that in such a beautiful way was so great. Uh, but Smith, Smith, Smitty's framing has gotten clearly has gotten better. In his first year he really couldn't hit sliders right like he was hitting like 180 something i think off sliders and everything else he was you know clearly very good at and it was just they would feed him slider 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 and then he was like oh i'm gonna learn how to hit sliders and you're like is that just a thing people learn and he's like i learned it um and then like every like every and i wouldn't even say weakness in his game like any place where he is not excellent Mm -hmm. he works incredibly hard and just incredibly quickly um so like you know he he had never played left field and then he was playing left field and like he was a gold glove finalist in left field which is like (laughs) not saying a lot um but still to have never played it before and to then be one of the best well and so and and, like he didn't regress it in other areas it was like I'm also gonna do all of this other stuff um and then this year he's like I really want to work on my base running and everyone's like why you're a corner outfielder you're a power hitting you're you're a like high high average a high high hour hitting out corner outfielder why do you need to run and he's like no I just want to work on it so I think um I think Sarah Spain or somebody posted like his sprint speed uh to first was like bordering elite I'm just like (laughs) yeah he got bored like he got bored like might might f around and steal a bunch of bags this season like um so yeah he just the the home run sort of when the rest of the team sort of was checked out when the rest of the stadium was checked out Mm -hmm. was just 
like that's a hundred percent Juan Soto. That's who he is as a player of mm-hmm. just like not just like a lot of guys are like no days off, but like I'm gonna pick something and I'm gonna work on it and I'm going to be able to like learn it very quickly and very noticeably and be sort of transparent about that. Um, and, you know, my hope is that he gets paid by the learners to do that all in a nationals uniform. You developed, you didn't even really develop him. They were like, he yeah, developed just, himself. <laughs> they're like, just get in the majors. Well, he came up from like, he had played a handful of games in, I want to say double A, but like a wow. handful, like he played most of the season in a high A and they were like, yeah, 2018 is a wash. Just get, get, get in the outfield, see what you can do. And he's like, think I might F around and be the best player you've ever seen for a while <laughs> like wow um, amazing absolutely and amazing. I know on on your list was talking about Bryce Harper but I was <laughs> like that that made it sting a lot less that Bryce walked because <laughs> you're like yeah. oh we got we got another one he's better yeah yeah and you're right like having having someone ready to fill that slot does kind of ease the pain the, the Corey Seager yeah. Gavin Lux situation yeah. well yeah I mean see the frustrating thing with Corey is that he has had you know almost all of his years with us marred by some kind of injury like I talked about I saw you know I saw him get that hamstring injury and like my whole body was like oh you know he's all long limbs so like if anything (laughs) you know if anything hurts his bony little limbs you know um but like he he hasn't really like 20 20 was his first almost completely healthy season with us and it's very frustrating to put to see him like if if he does walk to another team it's going to be very frustrating because the 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 Dodgers have put so much into him but like also get your money you deserve it you know like like Mm -hmm. if 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 the Dodgers aren't going to pay you what you are worth to stay around um then you you know they deserve to have you walk that shortstop class when they graduate <laughs> is is going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting off season when you're talking about the lack of development and things like that why <laughs> is that minor league system so frustratingly fraught and only kicking up you know the occasional i don't want to say fluke but like you know the more you describe the system the more Juan Soto kind of seems like a fluke uh, I mean, I think in any system, Juan Soto is, is extraordinary. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, so it's, it's interesting because people are like, well, you know, the Nationals tanked from 2016 to 20 to, to or from 2006 to 2011. And I'm like, they didn't tank. They did not have a farm system. Like they legitimately had nothing. And so like, that's different from sort of the model of like deliberate tank and, and putting up like, I'm like, look, they, they sucked, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like an intentional strategic kind of sucking. Yeah. It was just these circumstances have conspired to make this very bad. And so like when they won the world series, they, people were putting up like, this one's for you, Willie Mo Pena. This <laughs> one's for you, like Ryan Church. <laughs> like just like the, the, hey, remember some guys that like played during that era. My sister's favorite, Willie Harris. Yeah, world's biggest Willie Harris fan. I'm, I'm legally obligated to, to mention that. <laughs> um, but you know, I think that that's a different situation than they currently find themselves in. Uh-huh. So they only seem to draft college pitchers and then they don't develop them. And I don't know why. Um, and like they, they sort of have a very clear philosophy um, of the starting pitching wins championships, which it, it did. Like they had three starting pitchers, 
two bullpen arms and Fernando Rodney, who was very charming. Um, but like the, the rest of the bullpen was not a strength. Um, and so, you know, they really have that as a, as an organizational approach. Well, one is Strasburg who they developed, but they basically got pre-made. Like that was sort of like, oh, I cooked dinner. No, you put the frozen pizza in the oven. You just <laughs> failed to fuck it up. You got that one pretty much good. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, he's changed a lot over the course of his career. And he's actually changed a lot since like 2014, 2015 in his approach. Um, so like, I won't say like it's zero, mm-hmm. but it's also not like you don't get credit for like any kind of depth development. It's sort of like a... I don't know. Do you know anything about the Edmonton Oilers it's hockey not, team? <laughs> you know, I was just about to say that's a hockey team, right? <laughs> For a long, so. long time, they were getting the first overall draft picks, uh-huh. and like they were, they were fine, but they weren't putting anyone around them. Um, and so like they weren't winning because, and they had all these first, like first overall draft picks, which in hockey is a much bigger deal than it is in baseball, right? Um, so like, I know Spencer Torkelson's name because it's Spencer Torkelson. Oh, I do know that name. Okay. So I know more about yeah. the situation than I thought. Okay. <laughs> but like, it's not like first overall It's just like, you're like, yeah, it's a first round pick in, in baseball is a big deal, but like first overall versus in hockey is a very big deal. Um, and so it, it's sort of that situation where, you know, they can, they can get Bryce, they can get Strauss, they can get Rendon who went six overall, um, but it's the doing anything in, with like the later rounds that they're just not, they don't seem to fundamentally draft and they don't seem to fundamentally do a lot with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are some exceptions. So what I'm going to say is um, Tanner Rainey is not, oh no, we traded for Tanner Rainey. I lied. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> let me uh, No, And Wander Star wasn't drafted. I think, I think he was probably an international signee. I can't think of anybody they oh uh no Trey Turner was was a trade like I'm seriously like trying to think of somebody who was actually drafted by the Nationals who is currently on the roster who they developed well Hmm. and I'm I'm coming up with probably Joe Ross who I know was looking great Hmm. on uh against y'all yeah 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 Um, I was about to say I, I wouldn't turn my nose up at him no, no, no. And I yeah. love Joe Ross. I, you know, those of who I think this is Joe Ross season. Um, and like, he's recovering from TJ. So the, the question was always like, how is he going to come back? Mm-hmm. But I'm really, really considering, oh no, Joe Ross came in the Trey Turner trade. Shit. <laughs> it was the other part of the Trey Turner trade with the Padres. Um, and, and the Rays. So mm-hmm. I'm really struggling to think of like people, the Nationals drafted, the Nationals actually developed in such a way that like, you can you can kind of put them out there and again like I know the international signees come through the minors but like it's it's it seems to be an organizational problem um and I think that some of it is not they're not hesitant about embracing analytics they do put a lot of uh, credence in old older school scouting than I think a lot of places Mm -hmm. um which actually turned out to be good can if we're going to live in 2019 um you know the astros did not send any scouts to the nlcs in 2019 and there someone in their analytics department told them that what you want to do to handle juan soto is throw him high fastballs (laughs) (laughs) and i was like did you read the graph wrong (laughs) and i'm like shit 
I'm glad you got my bribe money to say that. Because the one thing you do not want to do Ooh. is throw on Soto a high fastball. That's an indictment of Astro Ball if I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, they oh literally, cause, because they had no in-person scouting. And like he had a little like tiny for one Soto slump during the NLCS. But like, you don't throw him fastballs. And yeah. so like Garrett Cole put him put him behind it for like one plate appearance. And then Juan Soto is like, I'm going to homer off of you twice. Nice. Um, so I think some of it is, you know, obviously the Dodgers are at the forefront of sort of being able to identify, I yeah. think, um, some things that are combinations of skill sets and combinations of, of things to sort of look for that, you know, sort of other people aren't. So like, what is it? McHistory is like a 33rd rounder. I think so Some... yeah it's, it's it's he's down there I mean he's 28 I want to say like he's an older he's an older guy I mean part of part of that is that there just wasn't a spot for him like um and you know a lot of people are really hoping he stays in the mix uh when you know Mookie and Belly are back healthy um because you know he's he, like if he continues on this pace, he's rookie of the year. Like he just is like, no, it's very hard for people to, uh, to, you know, maintain this pace, but we've had multiple rookies of the year recently. And so, um, I think one of the things, and this is not an original thought, this is said by many people, but like, you know, the Dodgers are very good about letting their rookies shine, like bringing them up. Part of that's clubhouse, but part of it's also just development. And McKinstry is a guy who has been, you know, on the cusp of things for a while. Like we saw him, you know, he had a great spring training in um, 2019 and in, uh, sorry, 2020, especially he was part of our, you know, intra interest squad games, but like there just wasn't a spot for him. Um, oh, to be clogged with too many, too many challenges. But, Would you like Andrew Stevenson? He is also 28 and not as good. I, I actually like Andrew Stevenson and I think yeah. like, and this is the thing I've said for a couple of years, uh-huh. stop swinging at things outside, like, like waste pitches. Like he's oh. bad on waste pitches. So I, I will like, say, yeah. The, so again, people yell about like extending and keeping players around. Like I, I just hope our hitting staff stays around because the chase rate, like our chase rate is ridiculous, ridiculous low. And, you know, part of that is just, you know, it is drafting, it's developing, but like the support they get is really important. It, it, it's a crazy combination of things. It's like, how comfortable do you feel as a player? How, you know, how supported are you? How do your teammates treat you? You know, that sort of thing. Out of the nationals, it feels like you guys have that chemistry. It's just maybe other parts are lacking. There's definitely, it seems like you, like it was really fun to watch the 2019 World Series with you guys because there was a lot of like excitement and happiness and fun. You wanted to root for everyone on that team, you know? Like, uh, I think I read somewhere on Twitter was like, I think like the Dodgers, Nats, fan bases like have the best vibe you know with each other and it's it's kind of true and part of that is like I don't want to call out behavior because I think anything that like anything short of being like an actual abusive jerk is fine like have fun beat your chest you know do do the fun things that's what makes a rivalry a rivalry there's I don't know there's like a similar kind of fun vibe between the two teams which is is interesting yeah well I think it's also in terms of sort of organizational philosophy, and I think that the Dodgers are fundamentally better at it, but like unafraid to call up young players, right? So like a lot of it's like, I would root for y'all, but y'all are manipulating the hell out of service time, yeah. right? 
or and unafraid and I know I've just said a bunch of stuff about the learners and deferred money but they at the end of the day will show up with a truck full of money mm-hmm. like they did for Scherzer they did for Strasburg they obviously are prioritizing pitching yeah. um, as a philosophy but it's not a case of like we're gonna do a, a Boston and artificially like Right. Because like get rid of a generational player in Mookie Betts. Imagine trading Mookie Betts, by the way. Um, and and, and uh, like having David Price <laughs> as the as the analog. Like I imagine mean, doing that. And so it's it's harder to root against. It's harder to root against that. Yeah. Um, and both organizations have done. How do I put this? All baseball organizations are bad. There are none that are good. In no, terms none of are how blameless. Yeah. <laughs> and so both have like some, some other things that, that are, are fairly shady. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the nationals uh, in particular, like youth Academy, some of the stuff in, in the Dominican Republic is not great. Obviously the Dodgers had crimes. XLSX. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, of, and covering up um, the stuff with, with Urias, but like, in terms of sort of the overall, and I don't want to minimize those things, but in terms of the sort of overall approach, I feel that they are very similar. And I think that that sort of lends it to things. You know, I was thinking like, I was, I didn't want to put this on Twitter because it felt a little gloating, but I was like, look, the Nationals lost a lot of NLDS games fives. The one in 2012 was bad. The one in 2017 with the Cubs was nonsense. The one with the Dodgers in 2016, I'm like, yeah, y'all just beat us. <laughs> like, I'm like, I got no hard, like, there was no, like, umpiring shenanigans during uh-huh. that game. That was like, now nah, you, Sean, or, uh, yeah, Sean, Sean Kelly had a, had a meltdown and then, uh-huh. uh, and then we lost. Mm-hmm. But like, it was, everyone was like, gosh, they just beat us. And they beat us in a game five and they just, it just happened. Um, and I think that that's sort of like a, like, it's no bad blood. Uh, Uh, it's, it's sort of like, and I mean, I don't, I'm sure other fan bases maybe see, especially the Dodgers differently, but it does feel like it's like two white hats facing off, you know, like we're both kind of the good guys, that sort of thing. And again, I'm sure there are other fan bases, you know, who, who definitely think so. I mean, you're very right. Like, um, especially this year with signing who they signed and, um, you know, just sort of when directly asked, like, you know, don't you care what female fans think? you know, Andrew Friedman's just kind of smiling and being like, you know, trust us. And I'm like, that's not good enough. That's, you know, that's not good enough. That's too dismissive. Yeah, you're right. It is hard to, to find, you know, there's some bad days, you know, and I mean, if you really want to go all the way back to like, just the way Dodger Stadium was built, like the way the land was, you know, like I have, I absolutely have stealing home and I do have stealing home as well. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, every now and then, especially when that book came out, like you, you have to kind of like do that balance of like, what is it about the team that I love? And at the, at the end of the day, I do genuinely feel like the majority of them are good people and it's easy to root for and you know, they're fun, but yeah, you're right. It can be very frustrating seeing, seeing people who you want to do well, do terrible, you know, do bad things. I I get you. Um, yeah, um, I will say it is the 40th anniversary of what uh, Fernando Mania. Yes, it is. So with yeah, um, yeah. with uh, with stealing home and sort of like the connection between the I guess the the 
removal of the neighborhoods that were building uh, Dodger Stadium and then sort of the the alienation of the Mexican community in, in LA and then the, yeah. the return with Fernando Mania, I think is really, you know, that's, that's a history that I'm glad more and more people are now aware of, obviously with the book, um, but sort mm-hmm. of just seeing this sort of like connection between those two things of like, why was this so much of a thing? Not just that he was a, a great player, but because of sort of the, the history behind that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, like there, there are, there are very, there are no good billionaires. Um, no. The in terms of, I do you know, love me some Billie Jean King and Magic Johnson, though. So. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, you know, it was never really like I, I didn't want, I didn't want Bauer to play for the Nationals in part because I don't think he's as good as his numbers set in 2020 said he was. I mean, like that's multiple, that's the other thing. Multiple four plus ERA seasons, like that's not a terrible ERA, but for like for what he's supposedly doing, I don't know. And, and we'll, I, actually, I don't know. We'll see what happens when his yeah. the test on his sticky balls come back. <laughs> Please never say that. And I say that as a romance novelist. When I'm like, I need to mute the word. Oh, as I, as it was coming out of my mouth, I regretted it. I absolutely, I was trying to find a way to not because because the first word I was going to say was dirty and then I was going to say it like, colored and I went with I went with that and that was still really bad <laughs> and I actually I don't care about pitch doctoring is what I'm going to say I'm like yeah. you know what a lot of them are on PEDs yeah. they know how to evade tests um sorry the steroids era didn't end um it just got smarter um and the same thing with pitch doctoring where I'm like look you know if we're going to have everything run on a polite fiction, if they're not doing this, maybe don't open your mouth and be like, I'm committing baseball crime. And then they'll be like, we heard you were committing baseball crime. And he was like, well, how did you hear that? And they're like, we can, we can <laughs> hear you. Here's all these times you when you, here's these shirts you're selling about your baseball crimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I don't, I don't care. I'm like, you know what? Pine tar sunscreen, um, not getting rid of the ball when it's scuffed up from the infield. Like these are all sort of in-game things. And frankly, like, to me, it is less noxious because it is more universally available than what the what Houston was doing. Because, like, to me, that was one of those things of just like, yeah, all they're all doing it to a sort of a certain extent. It's it's a fairly democratic way of cheating, <laughs> and like you're not ending pitchers' careers over it. Like, if a if if you know you have to go and face whatever pitcher who's doing this every X number of days, you're not necessarily going to get sent down just because of that versus those pitchers whose careers really did end yeah. um, with the Astros. So like, that's sort of my, my feeling about it, but I'm like, just maybe shut up about it. I mean, but I have, I have him blocked and, and my mutes turned oh, all the way up. So do I, but it slips through, but, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to pretend that like, how do I put this? I am not going to, pretend that I've never seen a Nationals pitcher touch the brim of their hat or scoop a little sunscreen off their arm or yeah. rub the ball and you know like whatever I don't care yeah um, I mean it, at some point like there's there's like the special mud for the balls right like there, there's MLB certified mud for the balls have you some MLB certified sticky grip you know like it, you know yeah. make it not super sticky but just like just enough if I am as a batter if I have to stand next to something going 100 miles per hour i want the person throwing it to have as much control as possible <laughs> uh, but that's just oh, me man. that's just because i'm a weenie 
did you see what was that Emmanuel Clase? Is that his name or Clase? He's he's who they the, he's who Cleveland traded for Corey Kluber, mm-hmm. and he was throwing like a hundred miles an hour cutters. Good God! It's I was like, no, how is it a hundred? And then it goes like this, like that. That just makes my shins hurt. That makes my shins and my feet and my. <laughs> they're just like a bunch of batters just like standing there, like what? Yeah, <laughs> like like when you when you have uh, when you have the AL Central who are very good at hitting the ball. Same yeah. you at the AL Central, they like to hit the ball. When they they're just standing there, like I'm sorry, did a hundred miles an hour cutter? No, <laughs> but yeah, like, I I want him to be able to control that because yeah, otherwise that's, like, that's just that's a swear word in baseball terms. Like that's what that is. That's just uh, an explicative. Yeah, mile an hour cutter. I have to look yeah. that up. I, I, I think that. it was like, is it a cutter if it's a hundred miles an hour? I'm like, it's. I don't know what it is. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. People were like, what is this? And they're like filthy, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I got. Um, oh, that's all right. Other stuff so, about the Nationals. Sorry, yeah, I keep talking, yeah. talking about teams that are not the Nationals. <laughs> it's like, almost like it's almost like we both enjoy baseball. Imagine. I have to say the rivalry i i hope you can hear the air quotes in that between the nationals and the dodgers i think is one of the most fun ones or one of the more fun ones and more friendly that's for sure um but anyway uh enough about that let's hear some advertisements why not And we're back and I can't wait. Let's hear so much more from Sydney. Let's go. Let's go. Woo. Right now, who is the Nationals biggest rival? Like who's the must beat team? So I want to say like the Nationals managed to, <laughs> to have uh, the Mets and the Phillies in one division. <laughs> So like, and, and you have to keep in mind that, um, so the Nats played in RFK stadium until uh, the first number of years. Yeah. I want to say 2909. Um, yeah. That feels right. That. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So they played in RFK, which have you ever been to RFK? Mm-mm. It is, um, it is not. Oh, it's multi-purpose, right? Yeah. So it was, um, I used to go to concerts there when I was in high school, uh, <laughs> It, you know, they once had a, a rat crawl into the electrical box and cause like an outage. Okay, so like, older. Right. Okay, yep, yep. Okay, it's, it's it is a it's a mess. So uh-huh. it as a stadium is truly a mess. Um, there's no good sight lines. You know, like every bad thing anyone's ever said about a sight line at Fenway, like that's RFK. But RFK like was known for the fact that like various tiers bounce when people like jump around that's not good that's terrifying um so they were in this very bad stadium and then they move into nats park and they've been bad for you know 2005 they were actually good and then they kind of collapsed at the end of the season and then 2006 through 2009 we're talking you know so so you have to understand the moment at which nats park opens Uh philly and new york decide to come into that park with a city that's not totally sold on this whole, you know, baseball concept yet. 
and they decide to be their Philly and New York selves. <laughs> and I, I love Philadelphia. I spent the weekend uh, with doing doing work. I, I work with a variety of teachers and was working with Philly teachers. We we love y'all. Uh-huh. I work with New York teachers as well. I love them. But yeah, that's a lot of a lot of Phillies fans and a lot of Mets fans in your home ballpark. Uh-huh being you know raucous let's go with raucous Raucous. that's a good word yeah um I did see Jason Worth hit his 3,000th hit which was a home run and I had bought tickets in what turned out to be a Phillies fan section and that shut him up real good that was very nice (laughs) that's always so satisfying I would say in terms of rivalry it's them if you ask most Nats fans they might say Atlanta Mm -hmm. um just in terms of like overall sort of competitiveness um but I would say that in terms of just like, we just want to win because we want the other guys to, you to know, like, lose. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the Zach Greinke thing of like, <laughs> of, it's the guacamole quote, right? <laughs> that's, that's sort of it. I feel yeah. like guacamole about, um, <laughs> about the, the Mets and the Phillies, but I would say it's, it's probably, it's probably because of that. I would say yeah. of, of the NLEs, the only team where everyone's like, they seem nice is the Marlins. We're like, they seem nice. And that's like, team that kind of screwed you guys over the most with uh with ownership just like you know snatching everything and running down to the marlins that's really funny um how do i put this like no one can be madder at marlins ownership than the marlins fans (laughs) um (laughs) and like that didn't really work out long term did it like they had like one world series after it was like two years after he went down there and then like marlins yeah (laughs) Well, and they keep building and then sort of tearing down a build. Yeah. But like, you know, with, when Marlins fans come around, everyone's like, hey, can I, bu- friend, can I buy you a beer? <laughs> like, come over here. Like, you get to live in Miami full time, which is lovely. Like, Miami's great. Yeah. Um, like, good food, good music, fun people. The Marlins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, you know, and I've said this on like four podcasts, but I'm I'm a Sandy Alcantara true believer. I think he's gonna be great. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and obviously everyone's into like Sexto Sanchez and, and all of that, but I'm like, no, I think the Marlins are actually gonna be. I have them. Uh, I have the Nats uh, coming in last in the NL East this yeah. this season. Yeah, I I feel actually very comfortable with that prediction. I am. I I. I that's the only team in the NL East where it's not like, oh, we're surrounded by Marlins fans. Like, ah. <laughs> They're so sweet. Yeah, I it's we definitely have a competitive air about us whenever we go to other teams, uh any almost anywhere in California. Um but like a good like a, a good bad day for the a Dodgers fan is like the Dodgers lose, but so did the Giants. Like that's <laughs> and I honestly, you know, the more the more other like other fandoms I talk about, it, it just kind of the Dodgers Giants rivalry is kind of special in a way. Like not many other teams have that like villain in the story and where they're both the villain like you know like each you know each one and again everyone sees themselves as the good guy but like you know there's villainous and and you can't ignore again some of the bad stuff in baseball some very actually bad things have happened between Dodgers and Giants fans you it cannot be ignored like you can't just put that away but I think in general it's more fun than than that and it's kind of nice to have like that oh but we'll always hate you the most you know <laughs> like when, when when Bochi retired everyone was like 
oh screw him oh you know <laughs> but but like the most it's, respectful it's enemies to, it's yeah. enemies to lovers yeah that's well, what it, it was, is it was really funny it was really funny like for a while the the diamondbacks were like trying to be our like trying to be the rival and even with the padres like they're absolutely coming for us like i bring it i can't wait i'm so excited but at the same time it's like oh yeah you're rivals and it doesn't really matter what's going on over there because we hate these guys the most just look at them you know um but that there's not a lot of that around in the league or in either either league it's kind of funny so yeah and i think like the the sort of like really long-standing historical rivalries are like just obviously going to be few and far between um somebody i was talking to somebody about i was like the mets yankees rivalry i'm like that's not a rivalry that's just people from the bronx and people from the queens might not like each other yeah but like (laughs) like the mets yank no one cares how do i put this like mets fans probably want them to win those games yankees fans want them to win those games they might have some like class and other related friction between them but i'm like it's not a rivalry it's a it's a an occurrence <laughs> it's a it's a i think la i mean I've, I've again i've said this on the podcast before like we have a chip on our shoulders about the anaheim angels los angeles angels of anaheim like not in la county not in la city what are you doing be the california angels again come on it worked so well for so long anyway so uh, uh who right now is your current favorite nats player oh i mean how do this is sure's her soto <laughs> <laughs> or Soto like that's yeah. easy yeah. um maybe I should give you because we've talked about both of them like maybe mm-hmm. like somebody is who's my sneaky favorite yeah sneaky um, favorite because like I'm like I want to see like the Nats like I said are not going to win anything this year and I'm fine with it but I'm like I want to see the Max Scherzer farewell well tour I want to see Juan Soto do Juan Soto things mm-hmm. um in terms of sneaky favorites I hmm let me think about this I I poised myself to say that and then I was like I don't actually know I am actually very keen on Josh Bell he hasn't played during the regular season because of COVID stuff um but I want to see what he does this season um unsurprisingly I think like it's usually pitchers who leave the the Pirates who do better but really everyone um he has a, a really great actually chase and waste rate, which I think is is always a really good indicator of, of somebody who's going to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems like a really good dude. I tweeted this out when they signed him because they signed him, I guess, in, yeah, in 2020, I think like five years to the day-ish after they signed Daniel Murphy. Okay. And... Josh Bell's last retweet on his Twitter when they signed him was in support of Pittsburgh, uh, uh, the Pirates Pride Night. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, if we're going to sign a a bat first first baseman, can he not suck? (laughs) (laughs) And the answer is no, he seems great. Like he does library. You know, I have a good friend who's a Pirates fan. God bless Mm him. Um, And he's like, oh, yeah, he does library programs. And he does this and he does that. And we love him. And we're sad to see him go. And you take care of him. And I'm like, okay. Um, So I'm looking forward to see what he does this season. Um, I also wrote an entire article about basically Wander Suero. Okay. I don't know (laughs) how much Wander is a player. Yeah. Um, so he is, uh, he's like a 29, he's a relief pitcher. Um, he, uh, w- is overused perpetual, somewhat perpetually. Mm. Um, he throws, uh, primarily a cutter and then a change in a curveball. 
um, but really moved into really being like a, a Kenley Jansen, almost Kenley Jansen level cutter specialist, wow. like circa five years, you know, five, six years ago. Ken- Kenley, Kenley Jansen's Kenley. cutter, Kenley Jansen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kenley Jansen's cutter. It's not as good as Kenley Jansen's cutter, but in terms of the percentage thrown is very similar. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this whole article for BP about like, welcome to the one pitch pitcher club, Wander Swero. Um, because I think like he did a bunch of work with his cutter, distinguishing it from his changeup in in a similar-ish way that Kenley actually did with his cutter and his sinker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a sinker, yeah. Uh, I made a video about it. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but like in a very similar way that Kenley worked to really move move his cutter sort of over where it was. And I know this is not going to be on video, but just imagine I'm gesturing over. Oh, it's a grand uh, gesture. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He kind of scooted it over in like 2013 and then was able to throw another, a secondary pitch that was really distinct in time and space because mm-hmm. he had sort of had that move with his cutter. Right. And Wander Sorrow actually did something very similar. Um, everyone's sort of like he's poised to maybe have a breakout year it'll depend on if they overuse him I think he's already pitched in like every game and I'm like stop pitching him like yeah give him some rest let the man rest also very Um, kindly ask yes (laughs) he also he so he spent all of 2019 well a lot of 2019 in the bullpen um learning from Fernando Rodney and that's the other thing of like Fernando Rodney was like his mentor that Mm -hmm. year and I'm like I want good things for like both Fernando Rodney and Fernando Rodney's acolytes. Uh-huh. Um, I to be a proud baseball dad. Well, I have a picture of him on my, of, of Fernando Rodney on my phone where he's at, I think, Wanderers Throws baby shower and he's holding the baby, or not baby shower, like a, a birthday party for his, his daughter. And uh-huh. he's like holding the baby on his knee. And I'm like, this oh. is, this is too cute. Like it's Fernando Rodney, like proud uncle. Um, <laughs> So that's that's going to be my sneaky fave of I think he's going to be if they if they they don't overuse him, which is a big if I think he'll have a a good season. So Uh, who do you think's the most underrated? You've got you've had some pretty big stars shine, Um, you know, Trey Turner is coming up at Juan Soto. You know, you've got some standouts, especially your starters. Who do you think is someone who is producing for you that kind of flies under the radar? I actually, and I was the world's biggest Anthony Rendon fan prior to mm-hmm. him apparently turning out to being politically uh, pretty much the opposite of me, um, <laughs> which I was like, hey, baby, remember when you didn't talk for six years? You can keep not doing that. Um, and he obviously was called underrated for years and years and years, um, which is true. And when you play third base, the National League, and you have Nolan Arenado, yeah. you tend to be overlooked. Um, I actually think Trey is a little bit underrated. You think so? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you have Seeger, you have Lindor, you have Baez, you have, it's just a a good shortstop era. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that he's, he's sort of adequately rated. He hits for power a lot more than you expect for a dude who frankly looks like him and runs Mm -hmm. like him. And obviously everyone knows about the base running, everyone knows about the base stealing um, and about the defense really he's the only member of our infield who can do any of that um but you know he hits he had that adjustment because he broke his finger in 2019 and it it adjusted his um his batting grip and he kind of kept the adjusted batting grip even when they they had to do surgery to his finger back back in place um it was a gnarly um but i 
because of that, he seems to basically trade a little bit of a little bit more chase waste for hitting for like vastly more power. Um, and so I think like that part of his game will not go unnoticed by front offices, but may go un- unnoticed by like a, a fan Thanks. base. Yeah. When you're looking at him, you're like, this dude is like, he looks like he's 120 pounds soaking wet. I know he's not. Like, mm-hmm. I know if I stood next to him, I'd be like, wow, you are. Like, it's, it's the way you're, I am with Corey Seager. <laughs> well, I always think Corey, Corey Seager is like 5'10", and he is not. No, he is a stick. Yeah. He is... I, I, he's I, a big I have tall he's a pole him. he's not a stick he's a pole <laughs> I need to have him next to like Chase Utley as just like a measurement like you know how you have a scale bar I need a Chase Utley bar in there <laughs> but like you know Trey Turner looks skinny yeah. um and so you're not expecting any power to come off his bat but I think they, they they're like you know he's got sneaky pop and I'm like yeah no he does um so I think that that he is going to command a good amount of money because of that and i do think he is he is relatively underrated um probably nationally because of that and because there are other bigger stars sort of ahead of him at the position similar to rendon with with arenado yeah uh so we, we kind of i'm gonna skip the prospect question because i think you know that's <laughs> what's a prospect we've already talked a little about that but um one of the one of the people uh that we lost for free agency i mentioned earlier was kike hernandez and he just you know was always good for a gif uh we have been uh blessed with gavin lux who is highly gifable in addition to the ups, you saw I, he didn't get it, but man, he he jumped real high for that ball. I wish he had got. There's a delightful. There's just a delightful photo of him, uh, at just leg spread, arm up in the air, and he's a good. You know, it looks like for I don't know. It it, it, it the ground isn't even the photo. He's just so far up. So he's a. He, I would say he's probably our most gifable character, uh, character, uh, player. Uh, who's, who, who's your character? Who's your most gifable player? Who's the one like you can't wait to see what face they're going to make next? So Juan Soto has a very expressive face as, as Will Smith learned. Yes. Um, Delightful. In terms of making really fantastic defensive plays, Victor Robles. Absolutely. Um, he had better in 2019. So he did not have a good 2020. Um, he put on a little bit of muscle mass in trying to hit for more power, which I'm like, you are a you're a center fielder you don't you need, need to, to do that yeah yeah um and so he lost that he basically he put that on the mouse, muscle mouse and then he, he lost and he's pretty public about it um and he seems to have cured some things mm-hmm. um but he is he had better defensive numbers than i want to say under Inciarte may have won for um the gold glove in, in 2019 mm-hmm. and but he i'm like robles was better um, so I would say probably Robles. I think that now that he has his speed back, he mm-hmm. will probably be the most like fantastic. Wow. Gosh, wow. Gifable. Um, and then to combine those two factors, and this is gifable emeritus uh-huh. is Michael A. Taylor, who is oh, now yeah? at the Royals. Uh-huh. Nas- do you not know, like the Nationals fans love Michael A. Taylor. I'm, I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> Like, love, love, love. Um, I know one of your questions was, where's the best place to sit in Nats Park? And it's in Section 100, which is um, the red porch, which is, like, directly behind center field. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, this whole fan community. It's really fun. Um, and, like, signs and cheering and waving and chants. And so when Michael A. Taylor would play center field, 
one of the things that was fun to do was to shout encouragements at him because he would get really flustered and embarrassed. Oh, that's so good. We're like, oh, we're like, I love a blusher. Like, good catch. Like, we're, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna all go out to Chili's after the game, and he would just be like, it would just him be like looking and be like, what? what is happening um so yeah it was the absolutely 100 percent michael a taylor fan yeah. section oh delightful and every like if he did anything people would chant like mat at him like it was amazing <laughs> um and so he has some really terrific facial expressions and was frankly just a really good center fielder last i saw for the royals he was you know and I, I only caught a game a game or two briefly but he seemed like he was off to a good start for the for the season obviously stats don't really like count for anything at this point like are, have we hit the the mag trout is at, at the top of all of the leaderboards like that's when you know the stats have settled has so yeah settled he's hitting 391 for the royals um so that's good that's pretty good has, to start off yeah he has put up uh already 0.7 war for the year um so we love him he's he's apparently a total sweetheart and totally like really funny but i would say in terms of gif ability 100 <laughs> percent um including nlds game five when it, against y'all when he made the catch and then just kind of looked around confused <laughs> like, did i do that yeah he like pops up with the ball and he's like guys what do i do now and then everyone just mobs him <laughs> no that's so important and and you know um i think players like that even if even if maybe they aren't as effective on the field are important just to get someone to rally around like you know you need that like you know you need like your franchise players that are going to produce that are going to you know keep people coming around you need like you know your Kershaw your Soto hopefully for you guys your your starting pitching but you also need like you need the goofs like you need that goofy person who you know, provides a little bit of relief during a, a tense game or, you know, when you're either down or up by five, you know, someone who, you know, maybe not a hot foot, but like, you know, someone who's going to pull a prank in the, in the, in the, in the dugout. And that's so important. So yeah, I, that, those are my favorite players. I think um, when it comes to just like importance to team chemistry and importance to fan chemistry with the team, you need that like liaison of like, Oh, stars are just like us, you <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And when when you've seen like an actual like professional baseball player, like just like have the the look of like, mom, you're embarrassing me at the little league game, but at a section of the ballpark. Yeah. Like he had that experience. He was just like, guys, come on. <laughs> oh, uh, one other player. He's he's been gone for a few seasons now, but Hyunjin Ryu has the best like waving to mom in the crowd i don't i don't know who he was waving to i think it was his family but he's kind of just like doing you know a little bitty tiny wave like do they see me do they not see me oh it's just just beautiful moments like that are they're, they're important they're they're like they're part of the game it's fantastic well that reminded me to check on him because i i oh. picked him <laughs> as one of my as uh as as a Cy Young uh oh, finalist you? this year. Yeah. I was I was very I was very sad that 2019 he didn't not win the Cy Young. He just he had injuries. And I think if he had been in like two more games, I think he would have got it. I was in the park for his home run, by the way. I was. I was he hit it to the right pavilion. I was in the left pavilion it felt like a playoff game, like that atmosphere. <laughs> and I mean, like even the sportscasters went like, like everyone, everyone went nuts. It was, 
it was it was such a fantastic moment and that actually that was the last time I was in Dodger Stadium because I, I didn't go any playoff game. I had I had playoff tickets for the next games <laughs> which we didn't get to courtesy of the Nationals but uh but but no that was the that was the last time that I was in Dodger Stadium and I have to say it was it was a heck of a game to be, to be in it for so and that's why we uh, we can't have a DH. We can't have a universal DH because you no, would deny right? that father just... that that feeling of yeah. just like I also feel that way, honestly. When um when I, when a catcher who is like um and the the term that has come up multiple times on Twitter is the is a Mathis line catcher, not a Mendoza <laughs> line, but a Mathis line. But like when a when you're framing catcher, you're like I'm gonna be the like comfort animal they put with the racehorses if the racehorses are your pitchers catcher when they hit a home run I'm like oh that has the same feeling well I have to be like oh it was Austin Barnes who chased Blake Snell out of the World Series game Austin Barnes are are not as good heading hitting catcher you know like and I mean it was a it was a combination of things but it was still like that was the last batter that Blake Snell faced and he got a hit he got on base um and you know talking about again like Mookie Betts and like the the value of him he worked with Austin Barnes and like and and he's he's you know still not necessarily a great hitter but he gets on base and he gets on so like yeah I but you know Kershaw said like he he had this weight on him that he hadn't won the World Series yet and there was a lot of baggage not just that they hadn't accomplished it because of the Astros potentially you know the Red Sox had some shady business going on as well and like for those to be the last two teams that we had faced off against in the World Series you know that it 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 messes with you you know and I think he has got this like great weight off of his you know shoulders and um, now he just wants to steal a base. And by God, I want him to steal a base. But let, please don't fly. <laughs> yeah, just like gently, gently steal a you know, Max Scherzer loves stealing bases. Is, yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. Because he's, he's Max. And I'm like, Max yeah. Scherzer. He's crazy. Because he's, 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 a, he's a little intense. But yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. I think that like he and, and Kershaw and Scherzer are obviously fairly parallel. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, today was I think, a fantastic game. It, yeah. it, it would have been like they both would have gotten a no decision had it not been for the sun like that was McKin- McKinstry is a great hitter but that that was a catchable ball um yeah and uh it it I think they both they both would have put up zeros had it not been for that yeah and I think like you know that's one of those things of like yeah he'll, he'll give up a home run or two occasionally but like, mm-hmm. like he's max but I, I agree with you like that weight is just gone and he obviously had that great run with the tigers mm-hmm. um you know 2012 2013 2014 and then you know just sort of gradually sort of stepped off and you could just see him just like whew, yeah. like all right i have it for you know it won't feel like there's an asterisk on my hall of fame case of like, well, he never got a ring yeah. because of this or, or whatever. Um, speaking of gifable, you've seen the gif of him and Audible Sanchez hugging each other after the world series, right? Yes. 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 Everyone's like, that is all the feelings <laughs> of just years. Cause they lost in 2012 together. Yeah. Um, I feel like they got swept by the, yeah, they got swept by the giants in 2012. Um, Everybody but that to me is like that that is like the the long sort of arduous road of you don't there's you don't know that it's yeah. going to happen for you and then once it does just like you could see in that gift just like 
the weight of it coming yeah. off of them, you know? Um, well, I and- mean, there's that, well, you know, Kershaw running out from the bullpen when he's like holding up his hands, like, yeah, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, especially, you know, Kershaw was talking about it's, it's almost as much for his, like his wife and his kids, because, you know, if anyone has been a fan of Clayton Kershaw for the longest time, it's Ellen, his wife, Ellen Kershaw. And yeah, I, I can imagine the amount of expectations and, and, you know, why haven't yous and, you know, that sort of thing that, that, that kind of gets swept off. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, they're, they're fantastic pitchers. I, today was great. Like I, I really wish I could have been, especially because it was a Dodger stadium and well, I live close enough to Dodger stadium that the flyby, like I heard the flyby oh, wow. okay. <laughs> on opening day. Oh, speaking of opening day and like great players who never want to ring Ichiro asking Edwin Rios for his ring. <laughs> Did you see oh, I didn't that see that. No, oh, no, no. So uh, the ring ceremony, I, I actually, I don't know why you guys would, would televise the ring ceremony where you are, but uh, the Dodgers basically like, uh, I think they like just bought, you know, a thousand dollars worth of cameos. Um, but they had uh, every player that introduced their ring. They had like a, a, a hall of famer and like all these baseball greats plus a rod and you know, <laughs> uh doing like a little introduction in fact ken griffey jr did the one for uh, uh chris taylor that was just perfect because chris taylor like chris taylor and kike hernandez are just like shining examples of why there should be a gold glove for utility man like he's just they're great you know we don't have kike anymore but like chris taylor is just like oh you want me to play right field cool you want me to play left field cool you want me to play center cool you want me to play second cool you want me to play shortstop cool and 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 the and the batting doesn't change the batting is still fan- he's he's fantastic this year but like he's just he's just a great guy but ken giffy jr gave like just the the most like heartfelt thing it was great but ichiro uh introduced edwin rios and he basically said like you know, I, I'm a great player and I've never, I've never won a ring. Give me your ring. And like <laughs> straight deadpan, you know, like the most dry and like everybody just absolutely died laughing. It was fantastic. Um, okay. That, that gives me a second fact I know about Edwin Rios. Uh-huh. Well, we, we all know the first fact about Edwin yeah, Rios. Yeah. We all yes. know the first fact we all know about Edwin Rios. I'm like, Hey, Dodgers Twitter, I'm taking away your eggplant emoji privileges for like, <laughs> 24 hours after he hits a home run oh poor guy poor guy (laughs) seats well yeah not too poor uh well ct3 was in that photo and no one remembers it (laughs) i mean i think he's in the photo like i can't believe you wore those pants (laughs) (laughs) just like really all right oh poor edwin oh yeah no it's funny because like we have uh one of the things that we have on our website which i'm super proud of but it's very esoteric because we have um l uh, the Museo El Granate de Gato de Jazz, which is uh, basically we're just doing a meme collection of um, one of our Dodger fans who just does great things. And every now and then I have to be like, look, we can't be that horned. Okay, we just need to turn it down, tone it down just a little, just like turn it down just a little. Or like I have to find ways to be like, okay, we can use this, but like I need to, I need to be a little step back from it i love it i think it's hilarious but like we want rios to like be able to look us in the eye <laughs> he's and, very tall so it yeah, doesn't you he's know very tall. also he like all, all joking aside he has one of the prettiest swings oh my goodness like it is a very good swing um 
when he like that full extension moment it is like a fibonacci sequence it is gorgeous like it is just absolutely gorgeous um, less gorgeous you saying... if you are the opposing team and it is then a home run yes. that is yeah. that is less good. less less beautiful less yeah but yeah, it more... is a very aesthetically pleasing swag yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're saying the second thing you know about him <laughs> yeah i mean I know about his swing. That was obviously the first one. And now I know that Ichiro trolled him, there which, you, you know. Uh, so you've already talked a little bit about Nationals, the stadium. Did you, um, do you remember when they came to town? Like, were you around for that? Do you remember? So I was in my last year of college and I was out of the country mm-hmm. in 2005. Yeah. Um, so I was like, why don't I remember that? Right. I was not in town (laughs) and then I was not in the country. Um, so, and then the first year they were, they were at, or at RFK, they weren't even on television because they have a long history of having fights with the Angel, uh, with the Angelos in Baltimore about mass and this is our uh, regional sports network. Yeah. Um, so I really didn't see them until 2006. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is not a great time in national history. Well, that's kind of like my next question is like, it yeah. seems like they've had a rough start. What hooked you? Like what got you? I mean, look, locality has something to do with it. You know, yeah. I, I, it's, it's easy for me to be a Dodgers fan in LA because they're Dodgers and B because they're right over there. Uh, there are many more reasons, but like, what is it about like the team that hooked you? Yeah. So I think um, really it started you know, they started to very clearly be putting the pieces together in, you know, with Strasburg, with Harbor, you know, they, they did draft well for a number of years, though. I know I just talked shit about them about the draft. Um, (laughs) That only lasts so long though. Yeah. um, And so that sort of became of like, this is clearly like going to change. Right. So they were very bad. Um, It used to be that we would only go and see Nats pirates games because it was really a 50 50 shot on who won <laughs> versus the rest of the time it's like now they're gonna lose uh-huh. um i you know who you know what who hooked me chad cordero i love me some chad cordero really? erstwhile first closer for the nats uh-huh. i have a picture of me holding a chad cordero card next to chad cordero um so you know i think that that it was sort of just like players you know and I said my sister is the world's biggest Willie Harris fan like (laughs) players here and there um but I really didn't get started to get serious about it until the Nats started to get serious about you know being good Mm -hmm. um and that sounds a little bandwagony and it is because it's like look it was not pleasurable to watch the Nats in 2008 yeah like and if anyone says that it was they are lying (laughs) they Um, were betting against them that's what it was yeah and so (laughs) like you know that's that's just the reality of it 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 was just it wasn't even a stars and scrubs team it was a it was a scrubs team Mm -hmm. um and so when they started just doing making moves and then sort of gradually building momentum and then obviously since 2012 really it's been on again off again with you know winning the division or making the playoffs um and just sort of the philosophy of we have young stars we, we aren't going to artificially manipulate their service time yeah if we if we need starting pitching we'll go out and pull yeah. up a, a bag like a, a wagon full of money to get it um that really did it i will say nat's twitter is is lovely um mm-hmm. generally uh you know all, all fandom twitters have have their good and bad parts um but you know in general i think it's a very good community i think that the the park experience itself is not 
the park itself, and I know you have a lot of questions about it, doesn't have a lot of personality. Um, yeah, I've heard it's very um, diplomatic uh, and like, you know, biz guys in suits is kind of, uh, yeah, yeah no, 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 not, not like that. Um, That's what I've been told, but I haven't been there no. myself, but that also, um, that also was from an Orioles fan, so that might have been. <laughs> so like, how do I put this? Camden Yards is a fantastic ballpark experience, uh-huh. right? It's it's one. It was the first of the revival, you know, sort of brick stadiums that are, Marie now, Smith. Yeah. are now going um, slightly more out of vogue because they've become a little bit like McMansion-y. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it was, the food is the crab fries and some local beer and occasionally you can watch the Orioles. <laughs> Nats Park, just the park itself, and I'm talking about like the physical structure of the park, just doesn't have a lot of personality um so it's not gonna be you know it's i I mean nothing's nothing's wrigley or fenway or dodger stadium Mm -hmm. um but it's not like that um it's also not pnc park like pnc park in pittsburgh is the nicest like it's beautiful it's got that backdrop um Mm -hmm. i went to to college in pittsburgh you know you could buy you could buy food for about three dollars uh because no one was there uh and you know beer for 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 four dollars um and it doesn't have even like quirks like the way that like i've been to marlin's marlin's park i'm sorry what is it guaranteed rate field or no not guaranteed rate no Um, uh loan depot loan depot park make sure you use a lowercase l when you say it though and a lowercase (laughs) d apparently uh yeah I, yeah. I, yeah, it's just, it's what camel tax is what it is. It's like yeah. Um, and, and that one has like personality. Yeah. I don't think it has a Even good it's personality. A good, yeah, it's like a kind of a weird personality, but yeah. Like, like the, the person, like when you want to give some, one of your weird relatives a compliment, but you're not really sure how, well, they yeah. got a lot of personality, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that, that sweater has a lot of personality. <laughs> Marlins Park has a lot of personality. I actually had a good time at Marlins Park. But, you know, Nats Park just doesn't have a lot of personality in terms of, like, the actual park setting and whatever. There is very good food, is what I would say. And there was actually great local beer in D.C., so um, those two things it has going for it. Um, But I would say, like, I've been there for a good number of, of, you know, games, but also, like, playoff games. Mm -hmm. It's really fun during playoff games. I was there for the wild card game against the Brewers when, you know, Soto... Soto saved us all and, and mm-hmm. hit it and it went past Grisham and all of that. And I will say, like, the park lost its damn mind. <laughs> Those, um, are the best. Those are the best moments. And like I was I was scoring. So like I have my scorebook for that game. And I I was next to my my friend and I stabbed them in the arm with my pen. <laughs> and they were like, hey. And I was like, oh. Because <laughs> everyone was failing and screaming. Oh, um, no. but, but like that tends to be, I would say like the the atmosphere is not going to be like as sort of into it as much mm-hmm. as for instance like city field okay. but it will get to the same high maybe but it, the low starts a little bit more chilled out mm-hmm. um which is fine because i think it's just sort of like that's oh, a different vibe yeah it's friend it, you know friendly and and nice and whatever um, and you're not like, oh, I'm, I'm scared to go to Nats Park because like wearing, a, 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 you know, a, a opposing team's gear. No, um, 
but yeah, I would say outside of like section 100 and maybe a couple other fan sections, it doesn't have a huge amount of personality going for it. Sorry. Oh. Sorry, guys. You built a generic <laughs> stadium. You get what you get. <laughs> Here in Dodger Stadium, we have the, you know, completely unique, never copied, let's go Dodgers, clap, 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 clap. Uh, you know, never, never heard in other teams in that iteration at all. What's the quintessential Nationals chant? Oh, that's easy. So after a home run, it's N-A-T-S, Nats, 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 woo! So, <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's there's a section that – there are sections that do that. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I think it's it's cribbed off the caps, which I'm like, that's allowed because it's in the same city. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, that one is 100% like – when Wilson Ramos was on the team, you know, we did the Wilson for him. So that was fun. But, yeah, N-A-T-S, Nats, 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 woo, is – yes – um uh, after every every uh not even every home run it's every run scored that's what nice. that's what happens i guess my my last question is going to be what are you expecting out of the nationals this year not much and so i can't be that disappointed <laughs> <laughs> um no i i am hoping they play some fun baseball and thus far even though they are at this point one and five um I think that every game save the Saturday game at, with the Dodgers has actually been really fun. Um, it's been, you know, one run games for the most part, you know, I was just like, when it was Joe Ross versus Walker Bueller, I'm like, just don't embarrass me. Um, that's sort of like, <laughs> yeah. I have like the mom feeling. And like today I was like, I don't think Max Scherzer is going to embarrass me, but like, just guys don't embarrass me. Like you're embarrassing me in front of Clayton Kershaw. Um, you're like, you're embarrassing me in front of Buster Posey. Sorry. That's probably um, bad to say to a Dodgers fan. No, but... you know what? Honestly, Buster Posey gets a pass. Like I, okay. most Dodger fans I know were super excited to see him back on the field this year just you can't you can't hate Buster Posey like you just can't especially like especially after you know hearing his story about I think it was he adopted Mm -hmm. yeah like adopted like you can't you can't I mean also his name is Buster Posey like that's just it's the greatest it's so great no no I I Buster Buster's you know know, I mean boo a giant but not man Buster Posey (laughs) <laughs> but not Buster Posey. Um, but yeah, so I think like I was like, hey, as long as you just like just don't embarrass me in front yeah. of the other teams, guys. Um, that's sort of where I'm at. I want to see, you know, sort of my predictions of the season are: I hope I want to see a full great season of Max Scherzer. Uh-huh. Um, I want to see Steven Strasburg, who had uh, season-ending surgery last season for right. carpal tunnel stuff, um, back on the field. I want to see Joe Ross have a good season. Um, you know, one so is going to do one sort of things. It's, they're not going to like the current composition of the team is not going to win against the current composition of the Mets or Atlanta or even the Phillies. Um, and I think honestly, like the Marlins in terms of have, have more organizational depth at this point, which is like a lot. Well, I mean, they proved were, that last year when like half their team was, was prospects, you know, they're like, Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I think that that's, that's sort of where I'm at. I picked you know, I, Pakoda, which is the baseball perspective, sort of prog- prognostication system, mm-hmm. you know, picked, picked basically the NLEs to be in a, in a, a deadlock, um, other than the Marlins. And I'm like, I don't believe that for a yeah. second. I, I think the Nats will go like between maybe 75 and like 82 games ish. And that's sort of where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I'm like, yeah, just, I'm like, 
put some good baseball on the field and don't don't embarrass me and run a Clayton Kershaw and that's all I want <laughs> well they absolutely lived up to that today that was a yeah. fantastic game except for the sun yeah. little 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 bit of maybe get them some new sun sunglasses will be great yeah. um well thank you Sydney so much for talking with me uh do you want to give a little rundown about where folks can find you online sure um so and I alluded to this briefly uh so i have a, a couple projects i did want to mention um so one was um something i'm working on with stephanie springer who's a nats fan as well as a a network of folks um called the anti-old boys network of which you are a member yeah, yeah. um uh called baseball paid me which is a survey about non-player pay in baseball that is i'm currently analyzing data from so that's <laughs> going to be exciting um Generally, where I'm published is baseball prospectus, so we'll we'll see for that one where that ends up being written up. Um, and then the other project I wanted to mention, I guess project is a bad word, is uh, <laughs> I am a, a romance author in my copious spare time. Um, so uh, I have a book coming out through Karina Press, which is a Harlequin imprint. Um, it should be out in time for the World Series, so we're hoping late October. Nice. nice. Um, and it is actually about two catchers who reunite at the all-star game unexpectedly who are ex-teammates but also ex-boyfriends and so how they um get back together and i'm like it's a romance novel so that's not a spoiler <laughs> um including a uh, very fictionalized version of the oakland coliseum so you can find me on twitter at for real baseball analysis over at sid rpfp um, and then uh, for uh, romance novel related stuff at KD, uh, Casey writes, uh, and uh, but I, I do some crossover between both. But yeah, if folks are, are interested, definitely check the book out. If not, uh, check out check out some of my writing in BP. Um, but I really appreciate you uh, you asking me to I guess pinch hit a little bit for a Nats fan because this is really fun. Yeah, no, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been fantastic. I'm definitely going to have to uh, trim it down a little bit because, man, we had a good time talking. <laughs> and maybe just like this one time, go Nats. Thank you so much, Sydney, for your interview. I absolutely had a, just a wonderful time. We laughed. We cried. Some of the tears were internal, but they were there uh, and generally just had such a fantastic time. If the baseball gods are willing and those COVID numbers don't rise, we will see you soon in Dodger Stadium. Soon, I promise. But I am not going out there until I have my second shot. I just, uh, I just, I feel better. You know, I'm going to have my shot. I'm going to wait my two weeks and then I'm going to get to go to a Dodgers game without worrying about me getting sick or getting somebody else sick. Baseball Neighborhood is a production of Dodger Yard.